I call, my name is Rania Odemat, and I'm a creative in Accra. With me today is Nana Kofiakwa. Nana is a man of God, a son, a husband, a father, a friend. He's also a writer and a poet, an artist and a documentary photographer. He continues to stand out as one of our most beloved storytellers, not only in Ghana, but across the continent, as well as a champion of women a self-appointed feminist. Every time we meet, I catch myself thinking, hmm, how refreshing, someone who consistently brings himself and no other. I can't think how else to describe his own special brand of mindful presence and authenticity. We have not had a conversation, no matter how short, that did not feel real and that has not inspired me. Thank you so much for joining me today, Nana. I truly appreciate thank you, you. Thank you, Rania. Thank you so much. It's a, it's a pleasure and an honor to, to be on your, on your program. And I have to say, I am a big fan of your work. I remember walking into that exhibition at uh, uh, where Stambik is, that building, I've forgotten what it's called. And I was blown away. I was blown away at the quality of your work. So thank you for also standing out and shining the light. Very, very proud of you. Thank you. Nana, congratulations. You just um, you know, became a beneficiary of the Daryl Chapel grant for the COVID yeah. pandemic in response to the COVID pandemic. So congrats yeah. for that. Uh, Thank you. What, what, does it, what does it mean to you and what are you going to do with it? So years ago, th thanks for that question. Years ago, I started uh, documenting Elmina because that's where I was born. And also because for a long part of my life, I had no idea what had gone on in Elmina. And I remember being in university and learning Pan-African history and being so enraged about the injustice about slavery and colonialism and thinking somebody else was guilty. And then in the process of knowing that I, I was born in Elmina and digging into my own family's history, I discovered that I came from a family that benefited from, from the transatlantic slave trade. Oh, God. Uh, <laughs> so today I say it and laugh, but you could tell, you know, I had this self-righteous anger at other people and then i discovered i was the guilty one you know <laughs> i was i was the bad guy and that sets me that's setting me in a passion to the best of my ability help right the wrong either. so for years i've been photographing elmina very slowly very quietly but hopefully uh, i i hope to come up with this body of work that will help shed a bit more light on, on not just the history of slavery, but what it even means for us today. What is, you know, because most of the people I meet in Elmina are just everyday people hustling, trying to find their next meal. And to be honest, most of them don't care about something that happened long before they were born. But they should care, or shouldn't they? You know, and uh, those are difficult. So this is, it is that project that, that won me the... Yeah, the grants. 
Wow, uh, now it makes me even more interested in this project. I, I think what you just said um, is, uh, it's, I'm so moved, you know, by, by your approach to the, this honesty of saying, uh, yes, I was part, or not you, obviously, you know, but we, we, yeah. we sort of carry the pain bodies of our of ancestor. We, we sort of carry the consequences of, of their actions, but also accepting that, embracing that freely, you know, with a smile and saying, what can I do to make it better? What can I do to make amends? And I think that's all we can ever do because we're all like making mistakes right and left. And sometimes some of us intentionally and, and sometimes not intentionally. Nana, um, uh, yeah. Another, yeah. another thing you've been very involved in, I'm curious, you've, you've been a champion of women. Um, what do you think that you can bring to the cause that another woman, let's say, cannot bring? So on, on the question of um, women and what I bring to the conversation is, is that I'm an ally. You know, I don't assume to know what it means to be a woman. I, uh, sometimes I jokingly say not only am I a man, but I'm also a man who is sexually attracted to women. So I am both the, the hunter and the empathizer or the sympathizer. But sometimes I, I see that a lot of, there are a lot of women's groups meeting, just women meeting women, trying to solve women's problems. And I think, yes, but when they leave that meeting and they get back home, they have to share the space with us. You know? So if women are going to really achieve the dreams they want for themselves, they need men as allies. They need, they need us as allies. I don't think we will ever understand what it means to be a woman, but if we take a better posture, we can be more helpful than we have been in the past. So this is my passion, and this is me thinking that you know, if I listen more and I do the little I can, I can help improve the, the lot of, of some women. And you have, you have. Uh, Nana, uh, one thing that occurs to me, you started out, oh, yeah, before that even, the name, the name of your handle, Africa Showboy. I've always yes. wondered about that, <laughs> you know, because when, when I meet you, whenever I meet you, you don't seem like an Africa Showboy. So what informed <laughs> that? Is it, your, is it your past in advertising? Where does that come from? <laughs> so, that's a funny story. So I was in, I was in Kokobite. Uh, there's a, a popular place called Big Millie's Backyard where yeah. people like to hang out. And uh, I noticed this guy who was always there, and he, he doesn't go to work. I don't see him doing anything. So one day I asked one of the young guys, what does that guy do? They said, oh, he's a showboy. And I paused. I'm like, yeah, I've heard that before. They used to say Nkrumah showboy about Kwame Nkrumah. But I never understood what showboy meant. So I was like, and what is the meaning of showboy? And they said, oh, you know, if you go to the beach, the acrobats, the guys who do all these shows, and they say, everybody watch, everybody watch. They are called showboys. <laughs> so, so they are performers, you know. And I said, ah, okay, I'll call myself Africa Showboy. <laughs> 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 because, because, you know, I, I enjoy traveling the continent and sharing the, the positive stories 
of the continent with, uh, with, with, with everybody. So, so that's why, but I agree. I'm not, I'm not so much of a showboy in, in, in real life, but I hope that through my photography and my writing, I get to flaunt the continent a bit. <laughs> <laughs> well, yes. I mean, what you do is a, is a kind of performance. Well, the best kind of performance, you know, from a creative perspective. Uh, so I'm also curious about another thing. Um, how did you go from being a documentary photographer into marrying uh, the visual with the narrative? and therefore becoming a storyteller, which I think completely changed your positioning in a way. Yeah, so this, this is a very good question. Today I was telling, I'm in Kumasi now, and I was telling somebody about how I nearly came to, I nearly went to Kwame Nkrumah University of Science and Technology to study fine arts, but I didn't. So they asked me why, and I said, well, when I was ready, my auntie who studied fine arts in the same university, said, you know, if you host an exhibition, nobody asks to see the degree of the artist. So don't go and study art. Go to the university, study something else, but don't stop painting. You know, and I don't know if it was very good advice, but I took it. So I went to the university and got a degree in English, but I didn't stop painting. And when, I, whilst I was in school, I worked in radio as a journalist. After school, I started a career in radio journalism. And then at some point, I felt the visual part of me, the painting, drawing, nanakofi was dying. So I switched to a career in advertising. And then I got tired of selling soap and faces of girls smiling pretty and holy. I got, I thought I can do more with my life. So that was when I became a documentary photographer. But when I worked in advertising, I worked fundamentally as a writer. So before I became a, a creative director, first and foremost, I worked as a copywriter. You know, so I, I am blessed with both. You know, some visual, but I also have good writing skills. And, and, and I used to work professionally as a writer. So I think that has been a blessing, you know, because sometimes I use the photo as a bait to get people to come and read. Because most people don't like reading nowadays. So I'll use a, a pretty photo and talk about something that is totally not related to the photograph. <laughs> but at least the photo gets them to my page and then I get to, I get to, they get to read. You know? So yes, I, I think I've been, I've been fortunate in that sense. And is there a specific process that you use? So you mentioned sometimes going from the photo. Does it sometimes start from the writing? What is your yes, process yes. really? I think most of it is actually the thoughts. So for me, whether it's a photo or a writing or a film, it's, it's okay. I, I think in terms of ideas and thoughts. So, so once I have a thought in my head, I ask myself, how best do I express this thought? And then the rest become mediums through which I express the thoughts. And so I play with them. Uh, but it's always the thought. And I've had, I, I go through these seasons where if I remember a very strong story, because I see very visually, sometimes I don't remember whether it was a movie I watched or a book I read. Because when I'm reading a book, I'm seeing very, very strong, vivid pictures. And if I watch a very good movie, it's the same. But if both are very good, give me two, three years, 
I'm totally confused. I don't know <laughs> whether it's a movie <laughs> or a book. You know? so, so I think we are all wired differently. And you just have to learn to play to your strength. Yeah. If you ask me about dates and numbers, I don't remember them. Yeah. But I can tell you in detail what somebody was wearing at some point and the shade of whatever. <laughs> that's, that's the visual memory, right? The visual memory that yes, so many yes. artists yeah, have. have. Yes. In, yes. in one of your posts, I remember it very well because it was a very simple image, a beautiful image of, of a seashell. And uh, you wrote underneath it that uh, shells are a metaphor for life. No matter how tough your fortress, you're still vulnerable. And I thought that was really, really powerful. So uh, today I'm asking you, you know, in what ways are you vulnerable? It's a good question. I think that... I think being... And I'll need to explain this a bit, but I feel that being male and black in Africa and having a mindset where you don't want to accept systemic limitations come with, come with its own challenges. I, I like to see life as a... You know, in Chinese medicine, normally the poison is also the treatment. You know, so so even though I'm calling these things my vulnerabilities, I, I, the same things are also my strengths. You know, uh, I remember years ago I showed up in a in a in this office in Holland, and it is the first gay rights uh, office in Europe. So it's a very historic place. And when I showed up, and I, I went to support a friend who was, uh, at the time where I was, I was on this program where we used to petition the European uh, 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 Parliament, the EU Parliament. So we were preparing uh, some material, and he was working on gay rights. And he himself was gay. And I was curious, and I, I went with him because other people had been avoiding him, and there was, you know, all these uh, vibes. And when I went, I sat in this room with uh, gays, bisexual, transvestites. I mean, every sort of queer was in the room, every sort. And then after they introduced themselves, I said, I am Christian, I am African, and I am male. And I know <laughs> that <laughs> I am exactly the kind of person you think homophobia when you see <laughs> and you know and they were looking at and you could tell you know that i fit the exact profile <laughs> of the kind of person they can deal with and i said but i have to admit i'm here in this space because i don't know enough and i'm not here as a judge i'm not here uh, to condemn i'm here just to listen because i want to really understand what this is about you know because I don't get it. I mean, biologically, it doesn't make sense to me. But, you know, I would rather understand than, than judge. And I think when they, initially they were a bit suspicious, but 
after a while, when they looked at my posture, you know, they opened up, and it was it was a fascinating learning, also a very humbling moment for me, you know. So, yes, it, it's and yeah, I have a lot of vulnerabilities. I have a uh, my my lack of fear is is also a weakness, you know. Growing up, I, I I just don't know boundaries, you know. As an adult, I'm learning to see boundaries and to respect them, but. But, uh, for me, every boundary was a suggestion. <laughs> yeah, I totally relate. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and, and it's that is a that is a strength, but it's also a weakness. You know, it's the same things. It's the same things. Everything yeah. that makes me vulnerable, you twist it and you realize, ah, that's also a strength. Like I have no natural fear. Yeah, there isn't a human being in the world that's. I mean, I respect people. I love people. I avoid certain people because they get on my nerves or they make me uncomfortable. But I don't have a natural fear of people. And that's a weakness. That makes you vulnerable. You know, because there is always a fish that can swallow you. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, so in the pool of life, in the pool of life, you have to be careful. Yeah. I mean... Ah, it's, it's sort of this dynamic balance, right? You know, you, yes. you want to be um, careful, but not uh, in a way that kills your light, not in a way that, yes. that stops you from embracing who you are and being authentic, not in a yes. way that... Um, because sometimes, right, by trying to protect ourselves from some things, we cheat ourselves from very important personal and learning experiences and very important growth. And one does not, as you said, with vulnerability, the other side of vulnerability is always great power and great strength. Yes. And I think yeah. it's the same thing, you know. Um, so I wouldn't, you know, worry too much. I personally, yes, some caution is, is <laughs> depending on the situation, but <laughs> it's, it's, you want to, you know, experience something, go for it. <laughs> ah, yeah. I've gotten too I... many people into trouble because they followed me. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah. yeah. But then they never forget the experience. They, they always share the story. <laughs> so. Do you, what, you're talking about this lack of fear. What yeah. do you think that it has to do, something to do with faith? I think, yes. And also I think social orientation. So if I grew up, my formative years were with my grandmother. And later on, I had an aunt who beat me anytime a child my size beat me. Oh. So if I got into a fight and the child was my size, the other child was same age, same size as me, and that child beat me. Then she beat me for allowing somebody my size to beat me. So, <laughs> so you learn that you don't, uh, you don't, you don't back down. Yeah. You learn to fight. So it is, it is the women in my life who made me fierce. <laughs> they, they, I blame them. I blame them. <laughs> Oh, wow. Yeah, that's, um, hmm. What do you think, do you think it was, how do you look at that lesson? I mean, obviously it taught you the lack of fear, but uh, do you carry any 
scars or trauma because of it? I mean, would you do the same with your kids? So my wife does the same with my kids. I have never taught them to fight back, but she does. Uh, because, and that's the funny thing, the men in my family when I was, I was growing up were very gentle, really, 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 really gentle. The women were the fierce ones. The men were always very gentle. So gentle, I mean, they weren't afraid, but they knew how to contain their strength and, and their power. So, and you grow up and you become like that. You know, so, but the women like, hey, yeah, go back and hit them. Yeah, they hit you, you know. And, and my wife is also like that. So, but I think my children by nature are more gentle than I was when I was their age. You know, I think they, they have a, all, all three of them have a, a more gentle personality. I was just a terrible kid. I could overhear neighbors telling their kids not to play with me. I totally, I totally relate. I was, I was a very trying, trying kid, but I think, you know, and, and I compare it to my own kids and they're not the same. And so maybe it's not the kids themselves. I guess it's, it's, something has to do with the circumstances and I I think it's a factor. It's uh, yeah, it's a factor. Some of us have to fight. I agree. I agree. Nana, what is the the work that you're most proud of doing? That gave uh, you the greatest feeling of fulfillment and satisfaction. I think helping, helping. It, it's just that. So it doesn't have to be anything professional, but if I feel that I helped somebody, you know, and and it made a difference to them, you know. Help an old lady cross the street. That that would give me. I mean, that would make my day. <laughs> you know. So yeah. it's not so much the big things. I think life is actually about the small little things, and 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 and, and that that's what gives me joy. Very very little things. Yeah, I you know I think for me I I don't think it's possible to really be happy or content or fulfilled if you're not reaching out, if you're not doing That's something true. to make the world around you a better place in whatever way, yes. to what, in whatever capacity, in whatever way you can. I don't yes. think it's really possible, you know, to attain that state just and saying, oh, it's me, I'm in my cocoon and I'm, yay, I'm, I'm happy and I'm perfect. And I don't know, I haven't experienced that. No. So this makes a lot of sense. How do do your children relate to your your work, your creative work? It's a good question. I, I've never really thought about it. I think, you know, to a child, they're just daddy. You know? And sometimes they find themselves on my Instagram and they read and they laugh. And <laughs> yeah, but, you know, I'm, I'm the guy they play basketball with and they disturb and he disturbs them. It's, I just exist, <laughs> you know. And but I think all of them love art, and they are, they are, they are three very different people. And uh, it's, it's it's fun just watching them grow and discovering what they like and what makes them happy. 
But I'm one of those, one of the gifts my parents, especially my mother gave me, was she said, you can do whatever you want with your life. Just be good at it. You know, so I didn't, I wasn't under the pressure most Ghanaians, uh, brilliant Ghanaian kids are under, become a doctor, become a lawyer, become, I was spared that, that, that headache. And I think I want to do the same for my kids. So I just let them exist, you know, eat with COVID. They just run suck. I think they live in the refrigerator. They are always going in and out of the fridge. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> eating, uh, you know, but just let them be. I just let them be. And let's see what, what they become. One of the things I admire the most is when I see an adult, I mean, an older person whose children have done well. You know, they grew up healthy. They are reasonable. They, they are independent and taking care of themselves. I always admire that because I don't think it's easy to achieve, you know, and um, you just hope that your children turn out great. And one of the ways is at least just let them, I let them live. So they take, one of the things I try to really give my children is a sense of responsibility. Mm-hmm. So I allow them to make their choices and I hold them accountable. So, because I think if somebody has a sense of responsibility, they, they tend to do something meaningful with their life. That right there, I think, is one of the most important lessons that we can actually give our kids. Because whether you look at nature, plant life, the universe, society, ultimately will all be held accountable. And if children don't learn that from an early age, this is not something that just appears. It's like a muscle yeah. that you train. Yeah. And, and yeah. I feel that of all the kids I've seen who grew up into adults, those who did not learn that lesson end up struggling, yeah. suffering so much well, and causing yeah. suffering to others. Others, yes. They blame other people for their bad choices. In Ghana, sometimes they kill their own mothers. They call them witches and beat them to death. Yeah. Which is a big shame. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's very easy. Um, This is something, you know, you you can change the names, but it's the same human story in so many civilizations. Yes, yes. Uh, Yes, Kill kill what we don't understand or make it other or or punish it. um, And, yeah, it's... we keep on just repeating that cycle. We keep on having to relearn that lesson. I don't know, why yeah. do you think it's such a hard lesson for, for humanity to learn? Because it's hard to take responsibility. It's easier, you know, it's easier to blame somebody else. It's really hard to take responsibility. You know, it's, it's just hard. Uh, I mean, it's the same way even... In your introduction, you called me a man of God. It's also one of the challenges you see with faith. Recently, I saw a video of a, a Nigerian standing by uh, a transformer in their neighborhood and praying over the transformer because they've been having electricity problems. But you see, a, a transformer is not a product of a miracle. <laughs> it was man-made. So if it's giving you problems, but somebody has to take responsibility for learning how to fix it. Somebody has to take responsibility for holding the government accountable. There are people employed by the Nigerian electricity company who get paid every month 
they went to school, they claim they have certificates in engineering, and because of which they've been employed and they are paid every month. And somebody has to hold them accountable. But nobody wants to, and they themselves won't take, make, uh, take responsibility. So you end up praying over what is not a prayer topic. <laughs> and we do a lot of that. Yes. No, seriously, we do a lot of that in Africa. You know, there are I many am... things that you're not supposed to pray about. <laughs> it's, I think we do it a lot in Africa, but I've also seen it all over the world. You know, people blaming I agree. I agree. God or a deity for a catastrophe. Yes, yes. When, when you dig yes. deeper, we are doing this to each other. Of we course. are creating yeah. the circumstances that, you know, so, yeah. but it's easy not to take responsibility, as you said, and say, yeah. oh yeah. yeah, it's Nana's fault or it's God's yeah. fault. I mean, why would he create yeah. us and not love us and do this to us, you yeah. know? And, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, wow. Yeah. So, <laughs> Oh, no, what no. have you been working uh, on lately, apart from this podcast? Oh, I yeah. really enjoy so, Once in a while, you sneak a bit of the art you're working on onto your Instagram. And I'm always fascinated when I see anything you post. Thank you. Thank you. It means, it means so much. I'm, I'm in a constant state of reflection and constant state of juggling. So between the, my own creative work, whether it has to do with sculptural jewelry or you know there's always a concept and a creative process behind it or whether it's photography or mixed media or my creative coaching and now there's this so it's it's just uh, one thing feeds into you know how yes, the, the yes. nature of creativity and human intelligence yes. is very dynamic yes. Yes. when i talk to you it feeds me it since it inspires me you know yes. it inspires my yes. work same, then when i do thing. that yes. work it inspires another aspect of what I do. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. It's yeah. just, I guess, that surrender, so, you know. Yeah, yeah, what they call a Renaissance woman. <laughs> 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 you know, because um, there was a time in human history where they believed a person can do anything. So you'd find one artist who is an engineer, a math, whatever, this, 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 this. Today, everybody wants to specialize in one tiny thing. But I think some of us weren't wired that way. Some of us were wired to do a lot of interesting things all at the same time. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and have fun doing it. <laughs> and have fun. I think also, you know, part of it, I wasn't always like that because we're all conditioned, right, with our educational yeah. systems from our families yeah, yeah. to think that there is one type of intelligence that is above all the others. Yeah. And to us, it yeah. was intellectual intelligence. Yeah. But then you, you get questions, right? Because you see people like yeah. Muhammad Ali, the boxer, for example, yeah. Yeah. who, amazing based on guy. an IQ, amazing. Yeah. Based yeah. on an IQ, this guy was considered retarded, uh, below the level of intelligence. How, how stupid is that? Because when you yeah. look at him, he was somebody who was brilliant in interpersonal, intrapersonal in intelligence. Yeah. He was so yeah. elegant. He had so much charisma. He had amazing kinesthetic intelligence. And yeah. so it, it goes to tell you that how we judge human beings and what our educational system tells us to value and to focus on is not necessarily the only thing. 
And when you open yeah, yourself to that. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And when you open yourself to that. When you open yourself to that, you notice that, no, it is in our capacity to tap into many aspects of that and that it can be very empowering and feed yeah. into each other. And, but I guess it's just the mindset, how we think. Yeah, that's, I was going to actually say there's a reason why schools look like prisons. they pigeonhole your thinking process they're they're a problem in many ways I don't know if we can do a part two of this when I'm in Accra but thank you so much (laughs) thank you too and you all the best in in Kumasi you You have a wonderful day Thank you. Enjoy your weekend. Thank you. (laughs) Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.